This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PB Army ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. Uh, It's just a two-man operation this week. Ben Gessling from ESPN and Matthew Collar from 1500 ESPN. We are now uh, just over a week from the start of training camp, the Vikings, of course, will be down there with their quarterbacks and their rookies and players who are rehabbing from injuries on July 23rd. So we will dive in deep on training camp preview stuff next week. We'll spend a little bit of time today answering some of your questions that you submitted to us on Twitter, and we'll also spend some time looking at the Vikings rookies and what we expect them to do in year one with the team, and we'll start there. Uh, Matthew, let's just get right into this. We'll we'll keep this podcast uh, lean and mean today. Let's go through the draft picks and uh, spend a little time on each one thinking about what we expect them to do in year one. So off the bat, Dalvin Cook, uh, whom the Vikings traded to get in the second round of the draft, running back in a three-man backfield, which is in and of itself new for the Vikings with Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. What do we expect from him in year one? Well, that's unless you want to talk about which rookie played for the coolest jersey in college. I am. You've piqued my interest. Okay, uh, let's start there. Is, do you have a, a an immediate candidate? For there, that? there are a couple classics on this list: Ohio State, obviously, and Michigan. Sure. I have always been partial to the Miami Hurricanes. It stuck out to me even as a kid that if I was going to wear one jersey myself, it would be Miami Hurricanes. I just think it's the coolest. Yeah, I mean, I, the Hurricanes is good. I, I've always liked Michigan. So, uh, and you know, the guy that has the same first name and same uh, first initial of his last name, I'll I'll go with that. I'll go with Ben Gideon. But um, I, I'm trying to think who else you got. Kansas State, you got Virginia Tech, you got Ohio State, or Florida Glenn, State. Glenn Mason would have said Ohio State, um, Florida State, uh, Northwestern and Kansas. South, way too similar. Yeah, too, too similar. Yep. The purple and silver is okay, but it's not a classic look. What does South Florida's uh, uniform look like? Or Central? Well, 
Now, there is a picture that I saw of Rodney Adams that I used where it was kind of a jazzed-up South Florida, yeah. so I don't know if they're one of those teams that changes their uniform a kind lot. Of a, but like an Oregon-Maryland kind of thing? Yeah, I think it had like sort of a rainbow look to it, uh, but I would not nominate yeah, that. They, they've got the green and gold. League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got kind of the green and gold. I think you got to go with the classics here. It's, it's a tough battle. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan, I don't want to get in the middle of that and say which one is more classic. But I, I just kind of like the Miami feel. It's like if you distilled Miami into colors, you'd have orange pants. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I think every team that has played in Miami just about has had some variation of that color scheme from one time or the other. But uh, Although Charlie Ward did rock the Florida State yeah, pretty I mean, those, well. Yeah, those were pretty good back he then. He was one of my favorites as, as a youth. So, so anyway. Delvin Cook. All right, Delvin Cook. All right. Uh, the three-man backfield, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. In training camp, because I think that Delvin Cook has an opportunity to very quickly make it a one point something backfield with him being the one and Jarek Mm. McKinnon moving around or or moving in and out and Latavius Murray playing a lot of third downs or in instances where they need pass protection or in short yardage. He has the opportunity with his talent to make the other two guys into role players. I think the three-man backfield is much more common than it was in the past. If you looked at when Chip Kelly was with the Eagles, they had three running backs, and they were all pretty good, and they caught over 100 passes combined out of the backfield. Uh, now, we should note, when Chip Kelly was with the Eagles, who his offensive coordinator was. Pat Shermer, Pat right. Shermer. And even Oakland last year with Latavius Murray, he got the majority of the carries, but they had two other running backs too, uh, DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard, I believe, are the two guys. Two kind of no-name guys, but they were pretty effective. Both averaged like five yards a carry last year. Yeah, fortunately, it was uh, injury free enough in fantasy football not to have to go that deep into the (laughs) weeds on the Raiders roster which probably means I'll have a ton of injuries this year running back but last year was one of those years where it worked out and they also had a heck of an offensive line too I I ran across this stat uh, just doing some research this week that Latavius Murray against eight men in the box had a run stuffed one time in wow. 44 carries. Adrian Peterson would kill to play behind that kind of uh, well and, and wanted to play behind that line. I mean, that was that was a team I think that he was pretty interested in early in the process. And by comparison, until he ripped a uh, piece of tape off of a gym bag and found out he was supposed to go to the Saints. Did you see that story that, this no, week? No, is that what happened? Well, apparently it was, uh, I think Dan Pompey, uh, who is now Bleacher Report and it's fantastic, went to spend some time with Adrian, uh, and he said he was praying for a sign of which team he should sign with, and he, he found this duffel bag that he had for a long time and and uh, had a piece of tape over it, and he ripped a piece of tape off of there, and there was a Saints logo on it. I guess somebody had given him the bag previously, and he'd put, a Saints, or put some tape over the Saints logo because obviously he wasn't playing for the Saints, and probably the most painful loss he's had as an NFL player was at the hands of the Saints, but... Um, yeah, he he ripped the ripped the tape off the bag and and saw there was a Saints logo on there and said, "Okay, that's that's where I need to go." So, uh not quite the the famous Reggie White this is God go to Green Bay message on the answering <laughs> machine um which was obviously said in jest to Reggie White back in 1993, but uh I I guess that was how Adrian you know, put the put the finishing touches on that decision. There um, there were a couple of gems in that story, by the way. Peterson saying he's going to have 500 receiving yards. Yeah. Like, okay. Yep. Yep. Sure, I'm sure you will. Heard that, one, heard that one a lot. Here's another one we've heard a lot. Sean Payton saying he hasn't lost a step. Nope. Nope. The same exact looks, player. Looks great. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, and, and 
playing behind a decent offensive line, it's certainly possible he will. But will he stay healthy is the other big question. There's only some of this I can take. I like a certain percentage, but like it's it should be called like the Lavar Ball ratio. Yeah. If you talk so much smack, then I can't listen to you anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of where Peterson has gotten to. Yeah. He says so many absurd <laughs> things that none of them matter anymore. If you say one or two, like, I'm going to play for seven more years, yeah. then you're like, wow, there's a headline. But then when you get to absurd thing after absurd thing, I'm going to have 500 receiving yards and play till I'm 40, and the coaches are saying I look exactly the same as I did when I averaged six yards a carry. Like, okay, yeah, sure. He has flooded the market. There is there is inflation on Adrian Peterson uh bold comments so the the value of each one is inherently somewhat depressed so the, the purchasing power of an adrian peterson quote is true not as high as it used to be uh back to delvin cook though. yes a uh, very patient runner with incredible explosiveness that i think will fit a zone type of runs uh, yep. he had a lot of those at florida yep. state yep. and they have a much better outlook on the offensive line now well, with the linemen that they picked up riley reef and mike remmers are not the best pass blockers you've ever seen, but they can uh, get out there. I mean, they, they're decent athletes, and, and they can get out there in the run blocking. So I, I think he's got a good opportunity to be stepping into without a ton of pressure, but there is that chance that he's so good that you're looking at a Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, uh, one of the few guys, David Johnson, who could be a star right away, go over a thousand yards and kind of make the other two guys not so much irrelevant, but just into role players. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm pretty much with you on that. I mean, I think Latavius Murray probably gets the benefit of the doubt early. I mean, in some ways this has kind of been their MO, right? I mean, it, whether it's been Matt Castle to Teddy Bridgewater or, um, you know, letting Trey Waynes take a little bit more time to learn while Terrence Newman is in, in the driver's seat there. I mean, that probably has taken a, longer than maybe even they would have wanted, although Terrence Newman has played well enough to, to force the issue. But they have this history of sort of, we'll sign a guy for the time being so we can let mm-hmm. rookies develop at their pace, but we're not going to hold rookies back once they're able to do it. And, and Dalvin Cook, in a lot of ways, is the... Um, archetype of the modern NFL running back. You mentioned guys like Le'Veon Bell, uh, guys like, um, you know, you said, as you said, LaShawn McCoy. I mean, guys that have played in those types of offenses that can be uh, dynamic runners and receivers. And I think, um, you know, as you have a guy like that, I, I think they'll put him to work pretty quickly. And, and if he can be that that type of a player, you're not going to hold him back. I mean, they, they need a weapon, a big weapon, pretty badly. And I think... He's here to be that guy. So, I mean, and it certainly is cheaper for them in the long term if it's Dalvin Cook and they can get rid of Latavius Murray rather than paying him what he would make next year or they restructure it. But, but yes, I think if he is ready to go, I, I think he certainly is a big factor this year and, and they'll lean on him pretty heavily. And I think they're really, really, really hoping for that. Not just because they traded up for yep. Cook, yep. but also because Latavius Murray – is a good NFL player, I think, but he has limitations to his game. Mm -hmm. When the other two running backs average over four or five yards a carry and you average four yards a carry, 
And even if you subtract and get rid of the short yardage, you still don't average five yards a carry. There's probably a reason. I mean, for a guy his size, he runs a four. He ran a four three eight forty too. So I mean, you you maybe expect a little more explosiveness than we've seen. And the vision, I think. When I went back, I I asked as soon as they signed him, a a couple of writers from Oakland just sent them some notes on Twitter and so, all right, what should I expect here? And the vision was an issue. Yeah. And there were some clips that I went back and, and looked at and saw that whole, a lot of holes were missed. A lot of opportunities that looked like were missed yep. there. So what you get is a guy that has some excellent skills, especially in the pass blocking. Yep. And he can, if he gets in space, like you said, he's extremely fast, mm-hmm. but this isn't a running back who anyone would say is up in the top level right. Right. where Delvin cook has that potential. Yep. And then Jarek McKinnon, I think will make things interesting. Because I, I think he just got a really raw deal last year. I think Jarek McKinnon's on, not on the way out, but I, I think Jarek McKinnon, the, the needle is not pointing in the same direction it was last year. Yeah, I, I, I wonder about I how... the writing might be on the wall for Jarek McKinnon. It might be, but I wonder how Pat Shermer views that. Now, it might be where someone else sees what he did this year in a limited capacity and yeah. says, we're going to sign that guy yeah. because we think he's better than you think he is. But I mean, looking at how often... His runs got stuffed with eight men in the box. Yeah. He lost 22 yards on stuffed runs where he just got the ball and got hit immediately. Well, some of those shotgun handoffs out of the Wildcat, I mm-hmm. mean, where everybody knows where the ball's going. I mean, that formation didn't really do a whole lot for them. And then using him only as a checkdown option for most yeah. of the season? I mean, this is a guy who has is is a multi-skilled player. At the end of 2015. I mean, when they, yeah. when they let him loose at the end of 2015, he was pretty good. And, and that's what I would like to see some of him lining up in the slot, two back sets. Don't which, they do that with Dalvin Cook, though? I mean, don't you think that that eventually becomes Dalvin Cook doing that stuff? You mean lining up in different places? Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, I think he has the capability. He yeah. lined up as a wide receiver sometimes at Florida yeah, State. That's and what I mean. Go routes. That's what I mean. I, I think if they're going to do some of that stuff, I. They may design some of it for Cook more than McKinnon. But. but I think you could use McKinnon as your Cordero Patterson this year at times. Yeah. Your screen could. guy. Your, yeah. ty- your Tyreek Hill. He's not that fast, but right. he's pretty fast. Right. So whether Cook steps up big time in camp will kind of determine how everyone else has to fall into yes. line in the backfield. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, do you, do you want to re- react first and then I'll read your reaction just go back and forth with these guys. Sure, we can do that. Uh, we going to moving on to the yeah. next pick, Pat Elfline. Yeah, you, so you get the first word on Pat Elfline. What does he do in year one? That I mean, that's the other one to me that's really interesting because they have to make a decision here on two spots on the line, and Pat Elfline can play either one of them. Those two, of course, being center and right guard. Mm-hmm. It looked from the way they handled things in OTAs that Nick Easton is going to get the first shot to be the center, which then probably means. Joe Berger is a right guard. But to me, if Pat Elfline is able to play and he's and he's good, then then maybe you move forward with him playing now. I mean, Joe Berger has said he's going to play one more year. So at, at some point this year, they are going to want to see what they have in Pat Elfline, whether it's as a center or a guard. And if things don't work out for Nick Easton, I wonder if they'll try Elfline at center before moving Berger back there. It'll be interesting to see how they go about that because, I mean, that – that center position is one for them that had been held down pretty solidly for a long time with John Sullivan. And now it's in flux somewhat. And, and for quarterbacks, that certainly is, as we saw with John Sullivan, especially with a young quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater, that can be a good asset for a quarterback. When you have a guy that, that under you know, number one is able to handle 
the physical demands of his position, and I think certainly we've seen you know, Joe Berger be able to do that as well. But a guy that, that can kind of run the protections and, and run the offense, which John Sullivan did very well, um, I, I think they've been missing that a little bit since Sullivan, uh, since his back kind of gave out and they had to get rid of him. But, uh, you know, if Elfline can be that kind of a guy and can be the center long term, I, I wonder if they'll take a look at that. Would you rather have him long term as a guard or center? Which do you think is more valuable? Center. Have him I mean, center. I think if, if if you have a good center, um, I think I'd rather have that. I mean, guards guards have, are certainly important, and they've gotten more expensive as everything has. But if you have a center, to me, that can kind of run point on things, especially as many moving pieces as there have been on this line. I yeah, to me that 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 would be a an advantage to to have him there if you feel good about him and you can plug him in there for a long time. Yeah, I think the leadership part of it, like you're alluding to, is a huge, huge element of being a center. And also, I mean, nose guards, nose tackles, they are still really valuable Mm -hmm. in the NFL. I mean... The Vikings of all teams should know that. They certainly do. And, I mean, even the Patriots last year were using uh, Alan Branch, and he had a really good year, and he was their run stuffer there. If you have a center that can move the biggest nose tackles, uh, then I think you have something valuable there. And we see it with uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Travis Frederick all the time. And best case scenario, that's what they're hoping Pat Elfline will be. And uh, just had a very short chat with Pat Elfline at OTAs about Joe Berger. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like he's basically soaking up everything he can from Berger. Which is a good idea. I mean, Joe Berger is an interesting story in a lot of ways because... I mean, for people that don't know, he was at Michigan Tech when they were talking about getting rid of their football program, and he's thinking, I'm going to go major in engineering, which is what he did, uh, and I'm going to go have a career in that, and maybe my football career will be over. And then you fast forward, he's been able to forge a, a pretty long and successful career with, with three or four different teams just by being a guy that is available, that does things well. Uh, he's, he's a pretty good example of, of how to forge a, a long NFL career from somewhat of a modest of modest means, I guess, is how you'd probably put it. But, uh, yeah, certainly a good guy to learn from if you want to stick around for a while. It also might tell you just uh, what the key skills to being a center are Mm -hmm. because Joe Berger is not the biggest physical freak out there. No, But I think he is one of the smarter guys on the field at any time. And he didn't even really start in the league until 2014. Right. No, (laughs) he's been a backup for a very long time and got the opportunity when the Vikings had some injuries and – Played right guard that year. I think he filled in at center. I mean, you know, it's he's he's kind of the epitome of that thing that Mike Zimmer always says about the more you can do, the longer you stick around. Mm-hmm. And, and he's been a guy that's been willing to do that and, and do it pretty well. So. Uh, just a, the last thought for me on, on Elfline is everything in this offseason with that front line to me is about clearly protecting Bradford better. But I think yes. anyone you got would have protected Bradford better. I think it's really about not having the worst running game yep, in the league. I would agree with that. And if Elfline geared towards that, if he can win the job, because I don't think Nick Easton was great against the run last year. Yeah, uh, I think that if Elfline can win the job, he's the type of guy that could make a really significant difference in the run game. But he's got to win the job first. Yeah, and and we've heard them talk a lot about how the learning curve for rookie offensive linemen can be a steep one at times, mm-hmm. and we'll see how he handles that. But. Uh, continuing on our tour of the Big Ten, which will uh, <laughs> go on for a fair amount of these picks, 
Uh, Jaleel Johnson, fourth-round pick, defensive tackle out of Iowa. Your thoughts? Uh, I have many fewer thoughts than the first two picks okay. on where Jaleel Johnson slots in because I don't That's really... because I think this is kind of an interesting spot. Oh, really? I mean, I think the position is really interesting, but I just don't know with Jaleel Johnson where he's going to fit in um, because I think in part of it is can he be a backup nose tackle yeah. or yeah. is he only kind of a pass rush three-technique guy? And that position is kind of crowded. I mean, because you've got Dayton Jones there, and you've got Tom Johnson still there. So does he try to fit in at that spot, or can he be Linval Joseph's backup or someone who could even spell him? I think it might be how flexible he is in the middle of that defensive line might determine what happens. And I, and I think that he's got a good chance to earn at least some sort of role because I think he should be able to beat out Shamar Stefan yeah. if that's what he's supposed to be. Stefan just struggled when he was given significant yeah. time. They like Shamar Stefan. I mean, they they like the way Shamar Stefan works. They like a lot of his fundamentals. But he is a seventh round. He was a seventh round pick for a reason. He's he's not the most physically gifted guy. His his skill set is not the broadest you're going to find. And it's you know we saw it last year when he had to be on the field a lot more. It it was it was obvious that he was being targeted, and, and teams knew that that was a place that they could exploit the defense a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. Jaleel Johnson certainly has a chance to to slip in ahead of him. I I think this is interesting because I don't know that the three technique thing is completely solved. And I think the reason you trade up to get him as they did um, was in part to have another option at that position. I mean, Dayton Jones certainly has the talent, uh, certainly has the physical attributes to play there, but hasn't done it yet in the NFL. Uh, hasn't done it very consistently. He's been whether it's been a defensive end in a three-four or a linebacker in a three-four, which he was in Green Bay. Um, you know, so that that's up in the air a little bit. And Tom Johnson's coming off a fairly significant injury. Tom Johnson is going to be uh, 33. He's a year younger than me, I believe. So um, you know, you're at a point where there's some there's there's a wide berth at that position. Mm-hmm. There's there's enough room to kind of come in and take it, especially if. Sharif Floyd's future is still up in the air. Well, and that's the thing is this really shows you how big of a hole Sharif Floyd yes. left there. Yes. Whether it was no last question. year or just going forward to this yep. year, that that is a really tough spot to be good at. It's an important one. And Sharif Floyd was top notch. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best in the league. And if you don't have him there, then you've basically got to have, the way I look at it, a situational rotation. Yeah. And that can get you into trouble sometimes. Well, I mean, Sharif Floyd, I, to call him one of the best in the league, I, I think you have to see more of it or would have had to see more of it. I mean, he, he certainly had flashes of that mm-hmm. where you were like, wow, point. this yep. guy's really good. But doing it consistently, I think, is something that has kind of eluded him. But True. But has certainly has the talent to do that if he can get healthy enough and stay healthy enough. And that position, as we saw with Geno Atkins in Cincinnati, is is an important one in Mike Zimmer's defense. And, and uh, certainly... If Sharif Floyd can get back, he'll have a chance because they need a guy that can be an impact player there. Is this me or you? Uh, uh, oh, this is you. this is you. All right, on to uh, your your guy. This ben, is this my is fellow fate. Benji, Ben Gideon yep. for Ben Gessling in a great uniform. And honestly, just uh, I was uh, going through my previews the other day, which yep. were coming out, and finding pictures of some of the guys. A, a big linebacker in a Michigan uniform. It's a good look. Yeah. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's a great a, it's look. It's a classic 
Classic. There are a few positions. Fit. Wide receiver in a Michigan uniform. Yep. The Braylon Edwards look. Like the single digit. And then, of course, the cornerback. I would have drafted Jabril Peppers just on his look. Yeah. Great look. Yeah. Well, Woodson, I mean, there's been a number of those guys over the years that, I mean, that that to me is still the, I think it's the best uniform in college football. It's it's elite. Yeah. As, uh, as PJ, PJ Fleck, Fleck would say. say. Yes. yes. Uh, so, but uh, will he be elite at his position? That is the question. Uh, I don't think I see that this year. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to be a guy that, that has to grow into it a little bit. I mean, there's an open spot. A weak side linebacker. I don't know if he ends up there this year. I, I think that pick was, um, I guess that was a, that one was a little bit of a surprise. I think at the time when they mm-hmm. they could have done a little bit more on the offensive line. I, I think they they see some potential there. I, he'll be a guy to me that probably winds up on special teams in year one, and then you see where he goes from there. Situational type at best for this year. Yeah, I don't even know if we'll see much. I don't think we'll see much of him in. The defense, because you have two years of young linebackers in Edmund Robinson and Kentrell Brothers that right. have been asked to play special teams, and you work your way up. Not to say that I mean it's it's not you're next in line. If you're better than those guys, you'll play. Mm-hmm. But but that's kind of been their their mo, and they like Kentrell Brothers a lot. They like Edmund Robinson, and I think Edmund Robinson's going to get the first shot there. And, and that position is not one that will be on the field a whole lot anyway. Right. I mean that that third linebacker is going to be. 20, 25 snaps a game, maybe a little bit more than that if you find the team that can exploit uh, linebackers that can't cover, like the Indianapolis Colts did to mm-hmm. another Big Ten alum. Well, but, that's that's uh, what yeah. I wonder about. If someone gets hurt, who's next in line and can they cover? Yeah. I mean, that might be where Edmund Robinson is better than the others. He's got I more think, range. Yeah, because I think Kentrell Brothers is a pure run stopper. Yep, I would but, agree. but also a, a smart player. Uh, from at least his reputation in college and somebody who understands the game and, and could be very good in those situations. But I just realized I'm going to have a lot of trouble typing Ben Gideon's name because I, I like reflexively just from years of typing the, my own name, I go to G O before G E the muscle so, memory. Yep, yeah. Yep. So that's going to, if that's typed wrong in the paper, uh, or wherever I happen to be writing his name, <laughs> I apologize to, my editors, because it's. Uh, Are you still wearing an ESPN a force shirt? Of habit. Today. Yes, I am wearing an ESPN shirt today. I uh, only for a few more. Weeks. Only for a few more weeks. For those of you who have not heard, I am uh, going to the Star Tribune at the end of the month to be their new Vikings beat writer. So, um, yeah, getting getting some time on on these ESPN polos before I have to. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Send them to Goodwill, or <laughs> I don't know. Some maybe somebody will want them. But uh, yeah, getting some getting some use out of them while I can. So. Uh, yeah, Rodney Adams, fifth round pick from South Florida. I think a guy that probably has a chance to play more than almost anybody in the back half of this draft. Yeah, he intrigues me quite a bit. Yeah, um, he was a playmaker at South Florida. Mostly, the best way I could describe him is that he was their Cordero Patterson. Yes, but if you do that in college, it often pays off big time mm-hmm. with lots of big plays, and that's what he was. And also a kick returner. Two at South Florida, and a guy that, from my understanding, is one that might be able to show some quick progress yeah. in learning routes and things like that. When I, I watched two South Florida games after they drafted him, I saw basically a quarterback who had no capability of throwing any other routes other than a go route or a screen. Yep, and that was so. It was probably more 
that Rodney Adams was asked to do those things because of the limitations of their quarterback rather than his own. And I'm interested to see how much progress he can make because if he can become an all-around route runner and has that playmaking touch, yeah. I, I think that gives him a chance to get some playing time in year one. Yeah, we saw enough of him in OTAs and minicamp to think that they are open to the idea of him being a fairly significant part of the offense, I think. I mean... The the third wide receiver spot has a lot of variables involved here, whether it's Laquan Treadwell and how much progress he's made. Kombucha. Kombucha if is a variable. Some kombucha yep. tea. Yep. Uh Jarius Wright, whether his future mm-hmm. is going to be with this team or not. But I think we saw enough from Rodney Adams and they put him in enough situations to think, okay, they they have some interest in using this guy in the offense in year one, and I certainly think He's going to get every opportunity to be the kick returner. Uh, He's going to get every opportunity to succeed Cordero Patterson there and might get an opportunity to do some of it in the offense as well. We'll see how that goes. But I think the kick returner job is, uh, whether it's his to lose or not, we'll see. But I certainly would put him in the driver's seat. Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon the Twin Cities' favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. I think how we're going to feel at the end of the year is the kick returner spot really doesn't matter if you don't have Cordero Patterson there. Yes, you take a lot more knees if you don't have a guy that can take it to the house every once in a while. Uh, Danny Isadora. They, you know, they, Mike Zimmer was almost kind of unprompted mm-hmm. singing his praises during OTAs, which kind of stuck out in my mind. I, I was working on a 53-man roster projection already. Uh, I think we have one of those rolling out at ESPN at the end of next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I put mine out today, by the way. That's great. I We're need, happy for I you. Needed to, I needed to beat you. Well, get get in front of the game here. If not, it's you know if you can't beat me on accuracy, I suppose speed is uh, <laughs> is one way to do it. Early, well, you are you're still participating in Mister Mankato. Oh yeah, okay, uh, all right. Still going to be just here. Just making to sure you are crush what, Kramer three, three for three, three for three, three for three. Okay, so I'm not I'm not even gonna try to have a comeback with we your, we should say, we should figure out what time it is in this podcast so we can tweet at Kramer and tell him he needs to listen to this minute of it. <laughs> I don't know that he I don't know if he still listens to the Purple Podcast, but we should check a timestamp so we can tell him to make sure to listen to this part. Here's the one that I suffered over, struggled with a little bit. Are they going to have a fullback? Is CJ Ham going to be there? Or I was not? wondering that too. Um, I, I mean, I don't want to spoil your article. Yeah, that's I don't out, think I put him on the roster. I, I, I did. I waffled on that one. Um, why did I not? I felt like I think I felt like David Morgan gives you enough of that. Yeah. Yep. That I, I. Don't yeah, think I put him on the initial one of those, and we update them through training camp. So I'm not sure, like, if my successor will have to start fresh, or if they'll just <laughs> update mine and they'll get the whole get a hold of the thing and like, I don't agree with any of these picks. Can I just start <laughs> over? I I don't know what they're gonna do, but um, my initial one, I don't think I put CJ Ham on it. No, yeah, I I did, but I guess I really wasn't I was on the fence. Sure. I could see I could see that going either way. Like, could they go for tight ends? I'm sure. I mean, they could. They, whether it's it's Rudolph, Bucky Hodges. I think Bucky, I think Bucky Hodges makes the team. I think so too. Um, Kyle Carter, Morgan, 
yeah, I guess Kyle Carter would be the question. Um, I think I I think I put them pretty lineman heavy. I I have Isadora oh, making yeah. the team. Same here. Um, I, I, you know, guys that are drafted in the fifth round typically do uh, with a team like this. They could try to sneak it through to the practice squad, but Mike Zimmer said enough about him that I I kind of think he's here. Um, I don't know that he'll play a lot, but I I think he's on the team. I struggled with whether like T.J. Clemmings makes the team. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of did too. I, I think my initial projection, I, I had them keeping like nine or ten linemen mm-hmm. just because then that gives them some options. But that, yeah, I mean, at some point, do you cut that cord? I mean, you know, this has been a team that has given their draft picks a lot of patience and a lot of leeway. But at some point, do you have to? The other guy that I wondered about was Jeremiah Searles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, initially, I thought. He had a good chance to start at right guard. Now I don't know that it's going to go that way, but he's a guy that they've used in a lot of situations, mm-hmm. and you know both at guard and tackle, and you know those guys, those two guys may have uh, a fight on their hands to make the team. With uh, Clemmings, when he was talking about that Mike Zimmer press conference, mm-hmm. and he was asked about Clemmings moving to guard, yeah, and the answer was something like, "Look, he's a good person." Yep, yep. <laughs> which, which to me is always like she's the, got a great personality. It's the red flag yep. to, you know, that's really not going yep. well. Yep. And I don't know. She's a really good friend. They're in shorts, so who knows? But I, at some point, you have to decide the guy really can't play football. Yeah. And maybe we're at that point. And that op- for Isadora, that opens up the door for him uh, to get a better chance at guard or uh, for somebody else to step up and make the team. They, uh, The Collins guy from, I think, what, TCU – Aviante Collins. Yes, Aviante yes. Collins. They signed him to. They kind of gave him a lot of money. Yeah, his dad is like a a famous sprint coach. His dad, oh. his dad is like a a masters, which is, is masters is track lingo for old guy, um, <laughs> sprinter that actually it trains James Cooper, who's Adrian Peterson's trainer down in Houston. Oh. I, I learned all this when I was on one of my trips down to Adrian's compound in Houston last year and. Uh, James Cooper was talking about Aviante Collins's father as sort of the example of why you don't shut it down at what why you don't submit to age before your body yeah. says that you need to do it. So uh, a lot of the things that Adrian Peterson says about playing till he's 37, wow. 38 years old, James Cooper backs up because of Aviante Collins's father. Interesting. So, Anyway, they kind of a, a six degrees of old sprinters kind of game. Uh, six there, degrees but, of Aviante. Yep, six degrees of, of is it, Kevin that Bacon. Aviante. I, I, maybe. I I I would. That's what I'd go I, with. I wasn't sure, but we'll I, find he's out. kind of interesting. Yep, because they is. gave him so he much. Is. Yep, and he might have a chance to make a push here. He might because they they focused on undrafted free agents, and generally when they talk about focusing on certain things if there's a tiebreaker on a roster spot mm-hmm. that may do it so they can uh, have one of their undrafted free agents make the team so we'll see but yeah i think isadora makes it and then uh bucky hodges is also a guy that i think makes it i th- i think so too but i am super skeptical on bucky hodges. i am a little bit too there's there's a lot of sizzle i we have heard the steak i have heard this story I have heard this song so many times. The athletic tight end yes. that can just change the whole He's going to be Jimmy Graham, yep. everyone. That's yep. why he was picked in the sixth round. Yep. Be- the next Gronk. Everyone yep. is the yep. next Gronk. Yep. I, every time I hear that, I immediately go, mm, I don't know. 
Because if a guy was that good, they would not let him get past the first round. Right. And this was a tight end heavy draft. It was. But he just fell and fell and fell and fell. And, and he, I mean, the measurables look freaky. Oh, they me. are, yes. And that's the point, right? Yeah. If anyone has measurables like that, he's six foot six and runs what, like a four five seven? Yep. Yep. I mean, that's outrageous. Yep. And should be tough to cover. He basically played wide receiver at Virginia Tech. Right. Right. And so that gives me no confidence in him playing any other role than a receiving role in the offense, which may mean very limited. But it also may mean that he can't get the offense and gets beat out by Kyle Carter and ends up on the practice squad. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, the, the scouting report on him has been that for his speed, he's, he's a little too much of a long strider and you're going to be able to take him out of games more easily than you should be able to. And, mm-hmm. and we'll see how that goes. He's certainly a guy that is going to get a lot of attention in the preseason. Certainly a guy that uh, probably will get some Mr. Mankato steam, I he would will. think. Um, I already know my pick, though. I've already got my pick. I in. I had mine set as well. No, I forgot who it was. <laughs> I have to go back to that. I, whatever, I'll I'll win it. It, it won't it's, matter. It's, it's got to be after the fourth round or fourth round and after. Uh, fourth round and after. Okay. Is, well, lots is, of options this year. My goodness. Yeah. Then it's usually. I mean, skill position guys are tend to be a better option than than not. So. But with with um, Hodges, I just I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about yep, you know this yep. guy's going to be an impact player yep. right away, and I just say hesitate, everyone. I think also that's a freaking hard position. I think tight yeah. end is one of the hardest positions yep. out there. Having to be a blocker and a, a good route runner and catch the ball and go over the middle, have toughness to you. I, I mean, I, I think that's it's not easy to make that transition. And they already have one tight end who can't block anyone. Yeah. And so I, I think David Morgan right now is ahead of Bucky Hodges. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Morgan makes a team. I, I think they've talked him up enough that he he makes it and certainly fills a role that nobody else has been able to fill. So, yeah, I think he's here. But uh, Hodges, I, I think they're intrigued with, and I think they'll – Find a way to keep him around and see if they can develop him. I think it's a great draft pick. Yeah. I mean, because if you have a chance a at a high ceiling. Yeah, you right? might as well at but that I, point. I'm very skeptical. Uh, Stacy Coley. Another, now, this is another of my favorite jersey of the group. Yes. Yes. I, I think – see, I, I'm interested in him too. Um, I'll be curious to see what happens with him in training camp because I, I think he'll get a chance to do some different things as a wide receiver. I think they'll try to find ways to get him the ball in the preseason – I think he has a chance to be a return man as well. I mean, a guy that's got some speed, um, probably a shifty guy, and you know, I think they see some things that they like there. I, I don't think he'll be part of the offense necessarily as a rookie, but I, I think he makes the team at least initially. Now, the wide receiver position is going to be a little bit in flux because there's going to probably be a guy, whether it's at wide receiver or somewhere else, on the 53-man roster the first couple of weeks of the season that doesn't end up there once Michael Floyd is able to come back. So I, I think he may end up being that guy, but I, I do think he makes it. Is it fair to say it's Stacy Coley versus Jarius Wright? Uh, yeah, to some degree. I, I mean, cause Rodney Adams makes the team either way. That's but, what I think, yeah. But yes, in terms of a roster spot, yeah. I, I guess I would say that that is the case. I, um, You know, I, I think... The problem Jarius Wright has is if you have somebody else that you trust to do what he does, 
that's going to be a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. you're going to lose out. Now, Jarius Wright has been reliable and has been a good soldier by all accounts, and uh, and certainly could have complained last year, and he didn't. I think to his credit, but you know, it, if you get a guy that you feel like could do the things that Jarius Wright does, that makes two and a half million dollars less. You're going to go with that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, with potential to grow too. Yes, and and, and Stacy Coley to me is a slot guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can win on the outside. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and he's more of a playmaker than Jarius Wright. Yeah, right. At least from yeah. his from what he should be. Mm-hmm. If he can catch on to the offense, I think he's got a chance to beat him out there. All right, let's blow through these last three pretty quickly. No, I've got, got a some, lot uh, to say about Jack Tocho. You know, I I, I wrote a pretty long piece on Afadi Odenibo uh, earlier this spring. Uh, you know, really interesting story. I mean, a guy that parents yeah. are from Nigeria. Yep. Uh, mom came over to get into a doctoral program in the U.S., but sports in Nigeria basically are not something that you do. They're they're seen as kind of a almost a low-class activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that they put a lot of emphasis on. and So his parents initially weren't going to let him play, but then he was able to talk them into it, and then they basically now are, are football nuts that spend their weekends traveling around the <laughs> Big Ten to watch him and his brother play. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we'll be doing so, obviously, again this fall between the NFL and, and his younger brothers at Illinois. So very interesting story. I don't think he makes the team, though. I think that's a practice squad guy. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, he's the kind of guy they have liked to keep these sort of athletic pass rusher types. Mm-hmm. Stephen Weatherly, I mean, obviously, Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin are in that mold, but they like taking chances on these guys because they feel like they can move them around into different spots. And and when you have a, a D line coach like Andre Patterson, who I think you know, a lot of us who cover the team think is one of the best in the business, no question. You you give him guys to work with and see what he can do. Um, Elijah Lee to me has a slight chance because he does something that some of the other guys don't. Yeah. And that's it. He's a cover linebacker. Yep. Yep. I would agree. I think he has a slight chance. I, I think that is the attribute he has. I, I think ultimately it probably lands on the practice squad, but that would be the one that, that gives him a sliver of a chance to be more than that. And I would say Jack Tocho also has a chance because I don't have a whole lot of trust in Jaron Kirst no. to take a big step forward, no. or I think we know what Anthony Harris yeah. is yeah. is kind of an emergency fill in and a good special teamer. Yeah, neither it. of those guys was very good when they had to play last year. No, I mean they they were both uh, exposed in some different spots, and you know, Anderson Deho will start opposite Harrison Smith. Nerd alert! Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, even that, I, you know, he's been better, but I, I think. Um, there's, there's enough. A, there's a, there's, there's room at that safety position. Yeah, there's yes. an opening for a guy who is coming from being a cornerback and moving back to a safety. And if he can catch on, maybe he's good enough athletically that he has a chance to to be a backup. Yeah, there. yeah, I, I think it, there's a chance. In a way, it speaks to what they need yep. is to bring in one more free agent veteran safety. Yes, yes, it, they do need to do that, and they have resisted doing that because they get expensive. But uh, that has been a looming need. Basically for Mike Zimmer's entire tenure and maybe before that. So you want to rapid fire through questions because we got we got a lot, quite a few. Yeah, yeah. people came with uh, with quite a few. the The one that the theme that I kept seeing over and over, and it's not a surprising one, uh, in the wake of his latest here today gone today uh, social media posts. Oh, Teddy Ted, Bridgewater, Tedward. Yeah. Uh, yes. 
Theodore Edward Bridgewater mm-hmm. once again uh, posting a picture on social media of him working out without a brace on his knee, which has people on Twitter all a Twitter. What um, does it all mean? Yeah, and then we have a lot of questions about is there going to be a quarterback controversy? There was one. Where was this one? There was one that was my favorite, the way it was uh, laid out, from, if you could find that from, one. From at Hootnate. Uh, with Teddy's surprising progress from injury, it seems like a quarterback controversy is inevitable with the Vikings trade Brad for midseason. Was that the one you were referring to? <laughs> yeah. Let's get oh, into that. I love it. Um, I mean, I love the question. Like, the answer is, of course not. But yeah. I love the question. Yeah. I So, we've said it all offseason, but we'll say it again. Guys, calm down on Teddy Bridgewater. Yes, he's making progress. Yes, he is able to do more at this point then I don't even know that you could say it's more than anybody expected because I don't think there's a enough of an established timetable with yeah. this many variables to say that. And it's been a year now. Yeah. So to yeah. say that he's doing more than expected, yeah. like, it's been a year. It's hard to say that. And the reality is that there are still so many things that you have to be confident in him with. Number one, to take him off the pup list. Number two, to put him in a game. And number three, to stake your future on him. You have to see him cut. You have to see him be able to plant and drive and mm-hmm. throw on the run, take a hit. Right, escape the pocket. Yeah, we yeah. haven't seen any of that stuff. And <laughs> I don't think we're going to – I I I would be shocked if we saw it in the preseason. If, if he gets on the field in the preseason, then you say – I mean, obviously then he's off the pup list, but uh, – you know that sort of thing it's like okay if if he's able to do that then we start talking about all of these things that are down the road but until that point i just i we need to wait and i i know everybody gets excited and he puts these things out there and then takes them down i think probably to to stoke the flames a little bit Mm -hmm. i'm sure he enjoys doing that but you know it's it's all in good fun at this point but I would be careful to put much more into it than that. At yeah. This point. What does it mean that he's working out without a knee brace? I have it means no he's idea. working out without a knee brace. Yeah, I have no That's idea it. what that means to the long term outlook. But I love that it's already like in the air. What if he's coming back? When is he coming back? What does that mean? We and got I'm, one on. Do you I'm, think Teddy's rehab progress has encouraged Vikings to slow play a Bradford extension? Now. Um, I, I think I think they would anyway because he just yeah. doesn't have a history. I think if Bridgewater didn't exist, they would still be doing this, especially look at what Washington is doing with yep. Kirk Cousins. Yep, I, I think they are wise to consider these two things as not as not as connected entities. I, I would not base your Sam Bradford decision on Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think that one should dictate the other, and I don't think they're doing that. So I, I think that would be the smart approach. I think you can still play a Sam Bradford extension without yeah. Teddy Bridgewater forcing your hand. Uh, another one from the same guy from Tony. This De- was a good one. Depth at offensive tackle worse this year than last year. Uh, yes, well, if we agree with that. I mean, TJ Clemmings played real quick last year, so I'm going to say that Rashad Hill is better than TJ Clemmings. How do you feel about Raynaud Hill, though? <laughs> <laughs> the number of inside jokes that you weave into this yep. podcast will be severely yes missed. i it's I, i'm one telling of the things that. i enjoy doing the yes. most because there's like three people that get them yeah and most of those three people are also people that cover this team 
I mean, that one's harmless enough. It was just yeah. a it was just a mistake by Rick Spielman. Well, to, yeah, s- saying his name the wrong way, and then that sounded like a defenseman for the Montreal. Yeah, Canadians. we refer to him as a puck moving defenseman. <laughs> it, I, it generally is just one of those things where ah, the general manager doesn't know your name. It's probably not a great sign for your chances of becoming a significant part of the roster. But I think he's still better than T.J. Clemmings and. And I mean, it's it's probably it's probably just as bad. I yeah. would say, except for Clemmings, probably won't have to play tackle. Yeah, I mean, so if one of those two tackles goes down, who do they go to? I mean, that, that's still the big question to me. I mean, is I it Rashad Hill, Hill? or or Searles? I yeah. think if it's on the right side, it might be Searles. Yeah. And on the left side, it's probably Hill. Yeah, I mean, Searles it, can't you, play left. No, and and you're still right where you were in that sense. Um, now, the 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 caveat here is that nobody has good offensive line depth in the NFL these days because True. roster sizes, where you keep eight guys, you have to keep a lot of generalists that can play a couple different spots, which mean they're probably not good enough to play one on a consistent basis because if they were, they'd be a starter because there just isn't that much depth at offensive line in the NFL in this day and age. So, there. I mean, if you find me a team that feels good about their offensive line depth beyond, like, maybe one swing tackle, like a, a team that's like, oh, yeah, we're nine deep at that position, I'd send it my way because I'd be surprised if there is one. Okay, a couple other that we can get through real quick. Uh, do we think Will Sutton makes – the roster that's from Vincent. I yeah, wonder yeah. about this one. I think so. I think that he's like the nose. I think he's the backup nose. I think there's a good chance he does. I, I, it'll be one of those things where if they feel comfortable enough with a guy that makes less money or slash is younger, um, then maybe they go that way. But yeah, I think he has a good chance. Uh, I have uh, a question that follows this question from Andy. How's Moritz Bowringer looking? And my question is, why do we get questions on Moritz Bowringer? Oh, it's kind of like the. Do you remember the guy? Well, you weren't around yet for for Babs. Do you remember Babs? Did you hear about Babs? No. Baba Tunde Ayagbusi is the six foot nine, <laughs> uh, mountain of a man from Poland. That uh, <laughs> this sounds fake. He was no. They signed him. He's a Polish offensive tackle. They signed like two years ago, and the entire off season, everybody's like, "How's Babs looking? Is Babs going to make the team?" It's like. And it's fun to say Babs, I guess. I get it. But uh, the guy had no chance and I think is a wrestler now. Um, oh, good for him. Mobo is probably ahead of that. But we like the idea um, because it's, you know, it's It'd fun, be a great story. I guess. It's a great story. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I wouldn't get your hopes real high there. He doesn't look to me like he can really play wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, the the burden of proof is on him to show otherwise, I guess, to, he, to disprove the notion that he can't play it. What's funny is how much you could take away about NFL skill level just by watching them do their warm-ups and mm-hmm. do their, to go through little practices yeah. that we're allowed to see, even before camp where you could see the whole practice. But just when you watch guys like Thielen and Diggs and now Michael Floyd run their routes and then you watch Moritz Bowringer run his routes. Right. It's pretty it's like watching Sean Hill throw and then watching Sam Bradford throw. There's a pretty big difference yeah. there that that you can easily pick up on. It'd be a great story if he were able to do it. He's also an athletic freak, which is why they picked him because his athleticism is pretty incredible. Uh like his 
if you've seen those charts of guys, how fast they ran the 40, how fast they did the three cone, all those things, and yep. who they compare to, if you've seen those charts, which are misleading as hell. But he's got some similarities to some other good wide receivers. So I guess that's why they picked him. Uh, maybe the last one here, unless you have any other ones. Uh, what does Alexander need to improve to become solid at nickel? Um, I think that he needs to change the way he approaches learning the game. Yep. Uh, which supposedly he's done. And I guess that's a, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but that's what Mike Zimmer says. Yes. And I mean, honestly, there's two things that come to mind for me. One, he's going to have to tackle. Because Captain Munnerlyn, yes, Captain Munnerlyn is a pretty good tackler. Munnerlyn actually had the lowest rate of tackles broken, of his tackles broken, of any corner in the league last year. So Munnerlyn often allowed receptions. He had a high rate of receptions against. Yep. But very rarely did that guy go anywhere after he caught the ball. Yep. And so he was effective. Sure, yes, I'll give you this seven-yard pass, but you're not getting any more than seven. And I think Alexander has to understand that. I also think too that when it comes to playing that position, that maybe it's like goalie or there's a baseball comparison here, you fail a lot in yep. the NFL as yes. a corner. Yes, you do. How do you react to failure? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the big question with him, I think. And, and they have said his attitude has been better this year. I mean, we all heard questions about that last year, I think, as he came in. And he's a guy that has a lot of confidence. But being confident in your own ability and – thinking that you have it all figured out at 22 or are different things. And, mm -hmm. you know, far be it from me to, to say that, you know, a 22 year old, that he's the first 22 year old to think he has it all figured out. I think all of us at age 22 are fairly confident in our own ability to diagnose the world's problems and solve them unilaterally. So uh, certainly not the first 22 year old to do that. And, and I think the, I know, I know that he's not the first 22 year old to do that. Cause I know of one that is talking right now on this podcast that was that way when he was 22. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think the fact that his attitude seems to be a little more receptive to learning receptive to coaching is a good sign. Um, still going to have to do it and he's going to have to do it against some pretty darn good quarterbacks right off the bat. And if he doesn't, I think Terrence Newman plays there. I do too. I, I think that's, uh, that's the other option. I mean, in, they have not gone out to sign another guy that, that could fill that spot, which tells you that they either don't want to commit the resources to it or they feel confident enough in their options there not to have to do that. Maybe a combination of those things, but uh, that certainly is a spot that is very much worth watching as we go forward here. You know, we plan on this being a shorter Purple Podcast. We are not capable of that, are we? No, I don't think so. No, there's just too, we just there's too much to talk about, and we love to talk Vikings. So and we appreciate too you guys. many great jerseys in this world. Yes, so we appreciate you listening to all of that. Our our jerseys, our inside jokes, our predictions, our Twitter questions. We appreciate all of it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back for the big training camp preview next week before we head down to Mankato. Talk to you next week.